You're listening to Taxpayers Australia's news and insights podcast, Tax Wrap. Hello listeners, welcome to our special budget po- podcast. Uh, I'm Steve Burnham from Tax and Super Australia, joined by Letty Chen. Good evening, Letty. Good evening, Steve. And we have a special guest, Mr Peter Adams. Um, many of you will be familiar with Peter. He's a good friend of Tax and Super Australia. And a lot of you may have uh, heard him talk at um, some various seminars and tax discussion groups and various other events. Yes, Hello, Peter. Thanks for coming in. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Um, well, the federal budget, it was good to see, if I may lead the charge, that the $20,000 instant asset write-off has been extended. At least, at least that's something. What do you think of this? Yeah, I think it's um, there was some talk before the budget that the um, federal government actually retained us at least for a little while longer beyond 30 June um, 17. Yeah. Uh, but it, you're right, it is a good thing, um, particularly now in an environment where we measure small businesses against a different threshold than the original threshold, which was a $2 million turnover Oh, we've threshold. got a $2 million five and so, a $10 million. Correct. Yeah. Um, so certainly in respect of the asset write-off, that increment was to a $10 million turnover. Mm. And if the government didn't continue on with a $20,000 write-off, um, the advantage for those $10 million turnover small business entities would have been short-lived. Mm. That's something we were pushing for, Lady, wasn't it, in our submission? Yes, we actually asked for the $20,000 threshold to be retained permanently. Oh, and yeah. I believe that we were not the only organisation to ask for that. <laughs> be nice. Look, a year is it's less than what we wanted, but it's better than nothing. And certainly, as Peter was alluding to, or he was saying quite explicitly, actually, yep. uh, businesses between $2 million and $10 million, which previously were not able to access this concession, yep. can, can now get some benefit from this. Well, that's something. And the, the CGT concessions for small businesses, has been a change there? Is that, I couldn't quite... Yeah, that was a little bit confusing, yeah. and we're not quite sure what the, the government is looking at there, but it seemed to be framed around the fact that um, either my understanding might be on the basis that um, the small business CGT concessions historically is premised on, on two bases, either a $2 million turnover threshold, alternatively a $6 million net asset value right. uh, test. Um, so seemingly, um, if I understand this in one way, um, perhaps it will only be measured against a small business entity concept turnover, so that's the one way we can view it. But there's no talk about the removal of the $6 million net as a value test. So maybe that's unlikely. Uh-huh. Yeah. The only other view that could be drawn from it is that you are also able to access the small business CGT concessions generally, where the asset is owned by a particular taxpayer who may not itself be a small business, but may have a small business-connected entity that actually uses the asset in their business. Right. Um, And the other way we were talking earlier, uh, just before we came on, Letty and I, um, about perhaps that they're trying to quarantine the access to the concession where also the connected entity is measured against a small business entity uh, threshold in terms of being itself a small business entity as opposed to just a primary taxpayer. Um, that's really the only sense we can make because it's very broadly worded. Isn't yes, it, certainly, um, Peter. When Peter and I were looking through the budget documents, we felt that 
it, it, it was extremely broadly worded and there was not quite enough detail for us to mm. really know exactly what the government's intention is. Um, as Peter was saying, we brainstormed a few ideas for what they're really targeting, but we feel that because they're not talking about any removal of the $6 million test, mm. it's really very likely to be targeting the the connected entity rules. Alrighty. So it's a bit of a wait and see. Let's just see if they're we'll Wait for the legislation, I suppose. Yeah, even, or even if they have a more detailed announcement to come out. But ultimately, what it does seem like is that they the government is wanting to tighten the rules a little bit. Mm. Um, and it's a little bit disappointing, especially as we were talking about the recent increase to $10 million for the small business threshold for most concessions. When that passed through the parliament, the small business CGT concession threshold remained at $2 million. Yeah. So it's just another another restriction as opposed to small businesses utilising the, uh, the CGT concessions. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And hopefully we'll, we'll have it sorted out before uh, businesses start to plan for next financial year. Uh, but still, and um, Peter, I believe there's also a a tax cut plan to be reintroduced. What was that about? Well, I think that goes back to the government's original intention in terms of the company tax rate cut, mm. um, which they originally mooted in the last budget to be opened up to all entities, all companies, um, at a eventual 25% tax rate, uh, commencing uh, this year with a reduction to 27.5% and progressively increasing. Uh, what they managed to get through the Senate um, at first instance, uh, was um, the uh, introduction of that reduced company tax rate at 27.5%, but pegged that companies with a $50 million turnover, mm. annual turnover. Uh, what the government's really reaffirming here is their intention to push through with the original proposal to open up that reduced company tax rate to all companies okay. beyond the $50 million turnover threshold, yeah. Yeah, a cynical view would be that with the Senate remaining the way that it is, whether they would oh. really have any more success the second time around. But, but you, you never know if these things in, <laughs> in, in politics a year is a very long time. Sure. True, exactly. Um, now, housing measures. There was a um, proposal, was it, for a charge on vacant residential property, which um, doesn't sound like a bad thing, or what's the real story here? Uh, well, I think it's more about, uh, anecdotally, we know that um, we are told that there's foreigners buying up property in Australia. And if we look around town, a lot of these units and townhouses and the like are vacant. Right. Um, and so certainly there's a dim view being taken of that. Um, and certainly to curtail that, I think, um, is the, the real premise for this measure, um, whereby foreign owners with vacant residential property will now be levied with this penalty charge, if you will, mm. um, in instances where these properties are vacant beyond that six-month period. Oh, right. now, now, there will be a, a rule which says that if it is genuinely available for rent, yeah. then that's not going to cut into those six months. So if you're just struggling to rent it out or there's a bit of a time in between tenants or yeah. something like that, that's they'll allow right. for that. It's really more where you're, you're basically foreigners are parking their money in Australian real estate. And letting yeah. the capital gains, you know, increase and correct yeah. um, so I think it's it's more based around where there is 
some untoward investment in Australian residential property without really making the property available to the market. Yeah. Um, so that's the real issue, and and it's and I think uh, it would be applauded um, in in a, in a lot of sectors this particular measure, uh, because the government has been accused of not taking enough action. Okay, um, of course. On this front. Well, they're taking other action too about uh, capital gains tax for foreign temporary residents, I believe. What's what's the story there? Um, well. Um, I think the idea is both for foreign residents and temporary residents. Um, the idea is that, in theory, you could still have a scenario where someone at tax law uh, is a non-resident or a foreign resident, uh, if you will, or indeed a temporary resident, that they could still hold what would be their main residence in Australia. Now, huh. to some extent, um, the two... Um, principles are at odds to say, well, if you're a non-resident, how could you possibly have a main residence in Australia? But in theory, that was possible. And especially um, works with the six-year absence rule. Correct. So, for example, oh, you own your house in Australia, yeah. but you move overseas for work and you move overseas for five years or something like that and you become a non-resident, perhaps. Well, the absence rule's there for a reason too, so there's, yeah, I can see now. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And so, so I think the idea there is that um, if you are indeed a non-resident or foreign resident mm. or a temporary resident, you won't be able to avail yourself of the main residence exemption oh, on right. sale. Of yep. that residential property. Okay. Oh gosh. And there's something else in the, with that capital gains, I believe, uh, withholding. That's right. What's what's the? There's an increase in the rate. Yeah. So uh, this is something that the government had put in place last year, um, whereby um, if you had acquired a property from a foreign resident, uh, then you would have to withhold a 10% withholding tax against that purchase price in instances where the value of the property was above $2 million. Oh. So that is being retained as a measure. Uh, what's changing is both the withholding rate going from 10% to 12.5%, mm -hmm. and also the threshold for triggering the withholding. Mm. Um, being brought down from two million dollars to seven hundred and fifty thousand. Okay. Now this the, this decrease in the threshold is really quite a big deal, especially in our major capital cities, where previously the threshold was two million dollars. So many many families purchasing a family home would not have to go through the administrative ordeal of withholding foreign CGT, but seven hundred and fifty thousand, especially in capital cities like Sydney and oh, Melbourne. Yeah. For family home, that's a very, very standard price. Isn't it? Yeah. Peter lives in Sydney. We live in uh -huh. Melbourne, so we see it all too well. <laughs> Gosh. So that that this could, apart from more taxes being paid to the government on behalf of the foreign residents, yeah. this is also going to see many more average average home buyers, if you like, yeah. uh, being hit with the administrative responsibility to repeat that withholding tax. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I think when this first came in, um, people sought comfort in the fact that it was a very high threshold, the $2 million threshold. Yep. But that mm. is absolutely right, bringing it down to 750000 Because the, mechanically how this works is that even if I am an out-and-out -out resident, even if I'm an out-and-out -out resident, um, uh, in order to avoid a withholding on the other side, I would really need to have some sort of clearance certificate from the ATO. So even oh, though I'm yeah. an out-and-out resident, yeah, yeah. unless I have that clearance certificate, um, the purchaser will withhold, uh, as it is now, 10%, but soon to be 12.5%. Mm. Um, so that becomes a real problem now where I'm under... 
um, a two million dollars now being seven hundred and fifty thousand, you can see how many people that will now impact, mm. as exactly. opposed to yeah. under the original measure. And, and, and just to go off track, but still related to the topic, you'd also be thinking this will create a lot more paperwork for real estate mm. agents given this lower threshold. Yep. So how much are their commissions oh. and fees are going to increase to cover that cover extra that work? paperwork, etc. Now, Lady, you mentioned property prices uh, in passing there, and I know this, there's a, this next item is going to um, annoy a few people that I know. It's uh, disallowing deductions for travel expenses um, in relation to residential rental properties. That's a, a bit of a change. Yeah, so it looks like the government's been... Well, the ATO has been in the government's ear because the ATO has really been uh, quite quite adamant that there are a lot of investors that are overclaiming these travel expense deductions because under the tax law you can claim expenses that directly relate to your earning of accessible income. Now rental income is accessible income to you so if you're travelling specifically to inspect a property or repair or, or whatever yeah, or to deal with a real estate agent or something like that yep. then technically under the law yes you can claim those travel deductions mm. but the ATO is quite suspicious that people are combining these costs with family holidays and the like you know you living down in Melbourne we're getting close to winter if yep. I have an investment property on the Gold Coast why not head up there in the middle of July or August and you read for the rest of the year but for well, a yeah. short amount of time you perhaps so, use it perhaps yeah and, and so look you know technically speaking we should really only be claiming the portion of the travel expenses that actually relate to dealing with this rental property mm. but the ATO suspects that Many many people are overclaiming and claiming so far the, more than what they're entitled to. It seems to be the answer is a blanket disallowance. Exactly. Okay. Oh well. Exactly. Um, um, depreciation. There, there was some item, Peter. You were saying about depreciation deductions on plant. Yeah, I think the idea is really to limit the deduction capacity to the original investor who incurred the cost on the plant and equipment rather than provide an almost inherited deduction yeah. on a subsequent mm. owner. Ah, um, so it's really curtailing um, the capacity of subsequent owners to claim deduction on the original plant and equipment uh, after subsequently acquiring the property. I think Letty and I looked at this and said, it's, well, it's seemingly quarantined to plant and equipment mm. and depreciation mm. deductions. It doesn't extend to limiting the capital right of on construction expenditure, yeah. um, which can, in fact, be inherited by subsequent owners uh, as well. So it's certainly just limited to plant and equipment, um, but it is um, a curtailing of, I guess, the current dynamic around being mm. able to claim plant and equipment on subsequent purchase of, of property. Yeah, you sort of buy that property. as well as uh, yeah. property. Yeah, yeah. that's and right. Look, depreciation claims, especially on newer investment properties, tend to make up a fairly reasonably large chunk of negative gearing. Oh, and yeah. we all know that's a hot topic in the political space. So the government hasn't come out and said, we're going to ban negative gearing or no, rest no. restrict it as such, but they are targeting specific parts of it. For example, the depreciation deductions. Right. So that ultimately, um, only the person who has actually borne the economic loss of buying that new oven or what have you, yep. gets to actually claim mm. that cash shield. Right, really. right. So yeah. chipping away at the problem, as yes, it were. Yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Um, we're sort of not straying very far from property because um, mm. I wanted to look at the uh, it's it combines property and superannuation in a way. First home super saver scheme. Mm. How does that work? 
Yeah, well, uh, just before we move on from housing directly, there's yep. there's just one more thing just to... Because the government in this budget seems to be at pains uh, to point out that they um, um taking significant strides mm-hmm. in terms of housing affordability. That's, of course, been the news um, up until correct, this tonight. Correct, correct. Yeah. Um, so one of the things we've saw, seen coming through is that for investors in affordable housing... Um, they would, on sale of the property, be able to get a 60% CGT discount as opposed to the standard 50% CGT discount. So that's also another underlying element of the the housing proposals that they've put forward. And you're right, the superannuation sort of goes... Superannuation measures um, go hand in hand with that, and certainly the first home super saver scheme, which uh, effectively allows um, first homeowners to to um, uh, withdraw from their superannuation savings uh, those voluntary contributions that they've made into the fund uh, to secure home deposits. Oh, the only the non-concessional. Um the voluntary contribution. The voluntary contribution. Yeah. So, uh, of course, the compulsory employer contributions yep. would be outside of scope. Okay. So, voluntary salary sacrifice contributions and the like yep. uh, would be um, available to utilise as a home deposit. So, I think that that goes a long way towards what people have been asking for. Mm, mm. Um, um, and certainly, it will appease uh, uh, a lot of. Um, uh, first home buyers that can't get into the market yeah. as, a, as another avenue to do so. Yeah, I suppose though, to throw a bit of a spanner in the works, Peter, one mm. might be asking, uh, you know, young people who are trying to buy the first home, and this is limited to people buying the first home mm. and trying madly to save a deposit for our big house prices yep. from their employment savings. Uh, just how likely is it that they would have substantial amounts in voluntary super contributions know, yeah. on top of employer contributions? Look, I don't know the answer to it's that. True, I don't know the that that's a good that. point. So it's it's a, yeah. I mean it's a good environment to save in a super fund, of course, increase Correct. your earnings. Yeah. But you're right, first home buyers are going to be younger, perhaps earning less. Uh, good point. Sure. Yeah. So they, they might not have the traction um, than uh, that what the government expects, but I think it's a move in the right direction. Yes. yes. Because we've had nothing to date. Yeah, you need um, something. Correct. So I think it's good. And, and maybe some a measure like this might itself incentivize younger Certainly. people. Certainly. To put oh, yeah. away yeah, into super. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. Um, so, so I think uh, it is a move in the right direction. And it's, it's just um, pleasing to see that the government is starting to take action. Exactly. On the housing affordability yep, side yep. of things for first home buyers. And another, another one, and this is at the other end of the earnings uh, lifetime of people over 85 uh, sorry, 65, <laughs> <laughs> um, about being able to contribute into the super fund from downsizing. It's yeah, it, uh, I guess it, this also ties into making um, affordable housing available um, uh, to, to younger folk, whereby um, older folk, I guess, over yep. 65, um, could then downsize. Um, and through the proceeds that they generate from that, plug that into superannuation mm. yep. uh, up to $300,000 threshold okay. without breaching the non-concessional contribution cap. Right, so um, in one go, in one in year. In one go. Right. So, so that's seemingly what it suggests, mm. um, and, and I think that's also a good thing um, because it does create the incentive for the older folk yep. uh, to relinquish ownership uh, and opens up opens that, up the market, market for, for young Also, people. hopefully, uh, means more uh, retirees 
will not have to rely on the government pension. Absolutely. They'll have their yeah. own yes, fund. Of course, and you're absolutely right, Steve. Mm. It's targeting not only to help the younger home buyers, yep. but also helping these retirees because as I think we all here we all know, downsizing from a four-bedroom family house with a garden yeah. to a unit one-third of the size is not going to be one-third mm. of the cost. No, So no. a lot of um, older people might actually find it quite restrictive um, financially to downsize because mm. a house as much as their family home is worth that's not liquid that's not cash no no they still have they still have to fund they still have to fund their new home from somewhere yes, and it's, it's still it's still going to be quite expensive for them yep okay um, speaking of older folk um, who tend to perhaps use LIBAs <laughs> uh, more than the rest of us um, what's the story here well of course the the, the, the government's uh, develop, I guess, um, a lack of enthusiasm for these <laughs> types of instruments over the last few years, to put it mildly. Um, and I think this is just uh, another attempt to curtail the use of these instruments, um, not necessarily putting a total embargo on the use of it, uh, but rather saying that if these types of instruments are used in the superannuation space, uh, then it will feed into uh, what we now will have from 1 July 17, a new concept called a transfer mm -hmm. balance, um, superannuation transfer balance account or superannuation transfer balance cap, if right. you will, mm -hmm. set at 1.6 million. Mm -hmm. This will feed into that cap. So in a way, it does pose an indirect restriction <laughs> yeah, on the yeah. use of these types of instruments. It's a discouragement. Correct, a, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. they won't outright ban it, but they will certainly make it harder for you to want to use it. Yes, <laughs> yes yeah, fair absolutely. enough. Now, the Medicare levy is going up. Yes, uh, absolutely. So the government is looking for ways to fund the National Disability Insurance Scheme. Oh, yeah. And the way that they're going to do that is to increase the Medicare levy by another half a percentage point to 2.5%. You will remember that some years ago, we went from 1.5% to 2%. Yep. And now we're going up another half percent. Even though that's quite an extra imposition, before the budget, we were actually expecting it to go up to 3%. Yeah. So, look, last year they gave us a few tax cuts. Um, you know, I think that the top-level earners were going to get $6 a week or something in those tax cuts, Peter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. And so this will claw back quite Top a bit of that, I think. Okay. Yes, yeah. that's right. I suppose the uh, def budget deficit levy is disappearing, so that's... Uh, <laughs> Two, twos and fro's, isn't it? Uh, yes, for the hi highest income earners at over 180000 that uh, levy is going to disappear at the end of the financial year. Is the year. Medicare levy increase from next financial year? Or from, yeah, 30 June 19, so from 1 okay. yeah, we've July got 18. Okay. So there's a fair, a little bit of a window before it actually kicks in. Now, for the young'uns, uh, people with a education loan <laughs> debt, there's a, there's a bit of an impact here with the, the budget. Uh, yeah, so so it's um, I think if we look at um, tertiary stu uh, students at tertiary level, um, I think the uh, threshold drops from about fifty five thousand to forty two thousand or thereabouts mm. uh, in terms of when it triggers repayment right. of uh, the, um, the the student debt. Um, the rates have also changed in terms of the percentage, the percentage rates. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I think overall it's, um, it's not a beneficial outcome to students. 
Um, if you look at the early trigger in particular mm. for the payments, there is flexibility on the rates. Um, but overall, I think um, uh, it's probably a measure that won't necessarily be welcomed by no, the no. students. Well, I think we've seen uh, a few protests so, on the yeah. news lately. Um, yeah. So I think that's going to be another one of those. And that, of course, goes hand in hand also with um, another measure which is um, basically forcing universities uh, to put their hands in their own pocket and less government funding. Mm. Um, So we might have an outcry um, like we had a little while ago (laughs) uh, around this issue again once people digest the contents of what the government's proposing. That's exactly right. So it's going to be a bit of a task for um, people, younger people who will be called upon to repay their help debt and Absolutely. save for the first home. And, <laughs> and, and, and of course, remember, oh Steve, they can't run away overseas anymore. <laughs> no, that's uh, true. So <laughs> it's been chased overseas. Correct, exactly. correct. The joke in tax circles is that they still haven't managed to get help debts out of their people. Yet, so. Oh, no. <laughs> that's God. true. God, dear. That's true. Um, now, going back to the big end of town, um, a bank levy. How does that – what is this all about? Well, this, this – the government must think this is going to bring – a huge increment to the coffers because it's almost an immediate measure um, from 1 July 17, as I understand it. Um, It's a 0.06% levy. um, And uh, um, in addition to that, banks will be uh, more tightly regulated Mm. uh, with the introduction of a regulatory body there as well. But certainly this is a cost. Um, And and I don't want to be cynical about this, Steve, Mm. but... Uh, we can see where this cost is going to yes. go oh, eventually. Down, trickle down. This trickle is where this down trickle down actually works. <laughs> That's right. So uh. it's certainly not something the banks will cop. No, <laughs> no. If, if, if I can put it bluntly. Um, so the cost will be borne somewhere else. Yeah, look, Peter, you've you got to say, you know, these young people who are getting a bit of help to save for their first home <laughs> and being able to buy uh, family houses from older people and so forth, <laughs> but their mortgage fees will probably go up because <laughs> oh, of the result yeah. of, the, of That's right. this bank levy, Got don't you think? back somehow. That's right. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. Well, but at least um, the government did have announcements about tackling the black economy, at least. What, uh, what are well, they going this, to do? Well, this is not new, though, Steve. This, this comes no, up every so it. now and again. Yes, um, yes. And, and the different guises. I guess, yes. I guess, yeah, the different yeah. guises. I guess um, it, it, they've, they've thrown a bit of money at this. Um, so I think the expectation is there will be some results. Okay. Uh, and we've got, I think, um, certainly some reports, uh, interim reports, yes. that had been submitted to government already. Uh, and we are told that there has been fruits that have been born out of that in terms of revenue. Right. So, um, you know, uh, certainly the government thinks they're onto a good thing. Uh, and so there's some further initiatives that they've introduced as a result around the Black Economy Task Force. So, you know, um, um, we wish them well. Um, oh, it'd be because, good for all of us. Uh, yeah. you know, uh, their success uh, takes a little bit of pressure off the rest That's of us. Right. Certainly. Um, so. You definitely want consumers and the general public to be protected as well. Yes, from the right. fortunate of course, ones. Of course, yeah. of course. And at the end of the day, look, um, I think one of the initiatives introducing this budget is extra funding for the ATO. Now, the ATO has been oh, going... Yeah. Very, very hard after the cash economy. Yes. So this is all going to be go hand in hand. Yeah, well, they've got, they've got to um, keep their software um, up to date as well. <laughs> yeah, that's so right. Hardware, <laughs> that's hardware right. I should say. But anyway. and, and I think, of course, um, um, where we also wish the ATO well and certainly the government well is on the initiatives around foreign multinationals mm. as well oh, yeah. and yep. clamping down 
on those guys. Yep. Um, and certainly there's been success, we're told, to date. Mm. Um, so um, certainly those are gaps where um, the government has plugged in some investment uh, to try and, and bring um, those... Um, um, delinquent operators, if you will, uh, yeah. to book. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think, um, um, you know, all power to, to, to Treasury and the ATO uh, for doing that. That's right. Well, that's good news at least. Um, all right. Uh, thank you, Letty, of course, and thank you. Very special thanks to Peter Adams thank for being here. And thank you for listening, listeners. Um, tune in next week. <laughs>